Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? So good to see you. Uh, this morning, Brother Richard Belty is with us from Franklin, Tennessee. He's been coming here for a few years and always very encouraging and positive. And how many of you know in the world that we live in, you need some encouraging, positive words to help you live this life that's going to be pleasing to God. So would you give him a big welcome, Brother Richard Bolte, come up here. Brother Richard's our friend, and you're going to be blessed this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as always, I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it is good to be back at Ray of Hope. Uh, if you don't know this, I'm going to tell you, this is one of my favorite places to hang out. I really like coming here. I have been coming here now for 10 years. I first came here years ago when they had a conference here and I preached at it and pastor has been kind enough to invite me back every year and uh, I'm telling you I just jump at the chance and uh, it's always a blessing to be here you people are very kind to me and I appreciate it um, I would like to think that I had something to say this morning that would be as good as the praise and worship and this song that was just saying I don't I'd like, a, I'd like to be to do that, but I'm, I'm telling you what, you all lifted me up today. Oh, and this young lady that just sang for us, my goodness gracious. This is a good place to hang out. Really, I'm going to tell you what, this is a good place to come. If you're having a lousy week, this is a good place to come. Because the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is here and the people are... They just sing good stuff. And, and every time I come here, you all sing some stuff I've never heard. Oh, man, that one about the fire. Huh? Brother. Now, if that, that, that'll get you loose. You know, back home in, I mean, back home in Kansas, we'd be popping and jerking on that one. I, I, I just hate to tell you, we, we would be doing some popping and jerking on that one. And Effie would get loose on us. But anyway, <laughs> I want you to turn with, I shouldn't say those things. I really shouldn't. Please turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading some very familiar scripture, and I'm going to start reading uh, at verse 7. The Apostle Paul said this, But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. My goodness, this guy's just... He's, he's almost a fanatic, isn't he? My goodness. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Aren't you glad you don't have to live by law? Oh, man. Now look at verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Then verse 11, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I don't know if you've made any uh, New Year's resolutions yet. As I was studying some time ago and thinking about things that come that people say. Remember old John the Baptist, he said something one time. He said, uh, I must decrease, but he's got to increase. That's a, that's a good statement, isn't it? Yeah. And I think if I had asked the Apostle Paul, Paul, you, you got any New Year's resolutions? I believe it would be there in verse 10 when he said that I may know him. That's what I want to talk about. Now you do understand that Paul's not talking about I want to get saved. The man saved. All right. He's had a great encounter with Jesus. He's been used of the Lord mightily. Great things have been done through his ministry. But here he is saying I want to know him. Isn't that amazing? He's not saying I want to be a better preacher. He's not saying I want to build more churches. He's not saying I want a new spiritual gift. He's not saying I want some new spiritual exercise that I've never had before. He's saying I want to know him. I, I want to know him. It's amazing, isn't it? Let me read that to you out of the Amplified Version. I, I think they fixed it to where that you can have it up on the screen. This is Philippians 3 and 10. Uh, out of, this is what it reads out of the Amplified. For my determined purpose is that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Wow, isn't that good? Wow. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. So that's what we're talking about. And if you don't own, own an Amplified, you might run out and buy one. There's verses like that that have just become gold in your study when you see that. I want to know him more intimately. I want to know him more clearly. I want to see him in a way that I've never seen him. Now, this is a guy that has had some kind of a dramatic experience on the Damascus Road. This man has known the Lord and he's alive unto Christ. But he said, this, there's something about him I don't know yet. He's that inexhaustible one that I may know him. The question is this, how do you get to know him? Or how do you get to know anyone? How, how do you get to know any person? 
I, I think, first of all, you know, there's got to be some kind of introduction. And that introduction with us in the spiritual sense would be when we, we come to him for salvation and receive him as Savior. That's a good introduction. But friend, what's after that? Well, I just want to go to heaven one of these days. That's it? You know? That's your whole concept? No, 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 no. Paul said, I want to know him. There was a desire there. And everything really begins with the desire. When you say, I want to know so-and-so, I want to be a friend with so-and-so. Ten years ago, I, I met Pastor Murdoch. And, and over these years, or Pastor McCord, and over these years, uh, I've got to know him better. I liked him first time I ever met him. He's just a likable guy. Uh, but over the years, going out to eat and sitting around and talking and sharing back and forth, I've really got to know him pretty well. I, I, and I, I like it. I really do. Well, you see, that's how every kind of relationship really begins. Probably the best illustration I can think about was uh, I was a 19-year-old evangelist. Went to a place called St. Joseph, Missouri, the whole revival. And uh, there in St. Joe, I was on the south side of town. And there was a man that pastored on the other side of town that he brought his family over to the revival. And I came into church, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. I can remember coming in this side door, and I looked over there, and I saw this blonde. And I am telling you, we're talking a doll. She was a looker. So I, did, I, I didn't want to do anything unseemly, and so I, wanted, went, I went to the pastor and I said, listen, that uh, a young woman that's sitting over there. Is, she's not married or anything. No, 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 no. He said that's uh, his, her dad, pastor's on the other side of town, and they come over for the revival. I said, okay. Now, wouldn't it have been a shame for me to say, I'd like to meet her, and then don't, don't do anything about it? Because desire is no good unless you put some action to it. Uh, unless somehow I'm going to put forth some kind of energy. You're never going to know anybody unless you have some kind of persistence in mind. Uh, you're going to have to make sure you know something about how to communicate with them and talk with them. And if you're really going to get to where you know somebody, there's going to have to be some changes made somewhere along the line. Some adjustments. So now back to this story with this blonde. I want to tell you one thing. Before that, she got out of their church that night. Service was no, long, no sooner order, over than I went and I went to her and I introduced myself to her. And I found out her name was Sandra Mills. And before she left there that night, I had her address and I had her phone number. And I am here to tell you, pursuit was on. Now, we always have really spiritual people in the charismatic ranks. I just don't happen to be one of them. But anyway, but they always, when I tell the story, Somebody will come up with that little charismatic warble. <laughs> oh, come. I'm having a good time. I hope y'all are. Anyway, they'll come up into this, this voice and they'll say, Brother Boldy. 
did the Lord speak to you? And my standard answer is this. I don't know if it was God, but something was speaking. And you say, well, that sounds carnal. Probably was. But I'm just telling you one thing. She stole my heart. I wanted to know her. I wanted to, I wanted to, I just was, I was crazy about it. Now, can I tell you this? I was 19 years old. She was a teenager too. We were just kids. Finally, I wore the family down. And they agreed that we could get married. But you know what? Waylon, looking back over, back in those days, I knew I wanted her for my wife. But I really didn't know her. I really didn't. I mean, she didn't know me, and I'd, we'd never been married before. We didn't know much about nothing. But I will tell you this, as the years went on, and we were married for 54 years before she passed, I knew that woman. I knew her. I am telling you, it didn't come the first year. Didn't come the second year. But it came. You hear, you hear me? And I am telling you, it's the same thing with the Lord. Just come in here on Sunday and say, oh, I'd really like to know Jesus. Okay, fine. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Is there any persistence involved here? Is there any time of really learning how to communicate with him involved? Is there any adjustments ready to be made here? What are we talking about here? We want to know somebody. And one part of this thing that really gets me is this, is when Paul says this, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Let's call that the good time, shall we? Yeah. Woo! Yes, sir, buddy. We want to know him in the power of his resurrection. That means, ooh, everything's wonderful. Everything's great. It's one victory on top of another. It just can't get any better. But then he said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Huh? What? I call that the lows. And I will tell you this. If you're ever going to know your companion, you live here and you're young married couples, let me tell you something. Just let me give you some advice. You're going to really get to know one another in the highs and in the lows. Not just when the good stuff's there, not just when you get a new car, not just when you move into your first new house, not just when you get a raise at the, at the, at the place where you work, not just when you're able to take your first cruise, not just when you're able to put, oh boy, our savings account's growing, isn't it? God is so good. Isn't he good? Isn't Jesus good? But I want to tell you when you're really going to get to where you know one another. When the car's wrecked. Troubles happen at the house. You might get demoted at work. You might get laid off. That's when you're going to know whether or not that marriage is good. And you'll grow through those times. Through the good times and the bad. And it's the same thing in your walk with the Lord.
I wish I could tell you that this coming year is going to be just one victorious thing after another. It's, oh, I mean, if you think January was good, wait till you get through February. And March will even be better. And April's going to, oh my Lord, by the time you get to summer, it, you can't hardly stand the blessings. Well, I want to tell you, it might not be that way. You might have some ups and your downs. But I will tell you this, through them all, you can learn about the Lord. And you can have this in your heart, I want to know Him. Now here's my next question. Why is it important that we do more than just get saved? Why, why is it important that we do more than just, well, I'm a Christian and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. That's it. What, what's the real deal here about I want to know him? Now, I want you to, if you will, go to that verse 11 again. And, and, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Now, remember, it says out of the King James Version, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And a lot of people say, well, he's just saying he wants to be resurrected one of these days from the dead. No, he's not. Read the Amplified. Here's what he is saying. Ready? First, chapter 3, verse 11. That I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead. That's talking about dead spiritually people even while in the body he is saying while I'm here on this planet I want to know Jesus in such a way that there's going to be a direct contrast between my lifestyle and the lifestyle of those that don't know him I want people to know that while I'm in this body, I am alive unto Christ. And he's the most important thing in my life. What is so badly? I want them to recognize that difference. Well, I am telling you, my friend, that can be a real deal. I've got to share this. I shared it with the first service. And I got it. This is one of the most remarkable things I've ever ran across in my travels. I've met wonderful people throughout the years. And several years ago, I was out in West Texas, a place called Dumas, Texas. And I was out there in Dumas, wonderful church, wonderful group of people. And there was a family there that you just like to meet. A guy, I guess he was in his early 50s, somewhere between 50, 55. Wonderful wife. Had three girls that were... Getting, they're getting close to college age. They're in the singers, the backup singers of the praise team. They're just a, I mean, just a precious family. Wonderful. And the pastor was telling me, he said, oh man, they're just, they're great. <laughs> they're great people. He said, uh, they're, they're the kind of people that a pastor dreams about just to have. They was there every service. You know, I mean, every night. They was the first ones at church. They was greeting people. They were just the prep, the best. And the pastor said to me, uh, they've been married since they were kids. And he's worked at the refinery out here since he was like 18 or 19. Only job he's ever had. And said he's really done well. He's going to be retiring when he, take, when he hits 55. 
because he has over a million dollars in his retirement account. And uh, him and his wife, the kids are going to be grown. They're going to be off to college and they're taking, that's taken care of. And he said, they're just, he's going to retire at 55 and pull out his money and him and her are just going to travel and just have a, you know, anything wrong with that? Not a thing in the world. The only thing I can hear about, remember about that story that I, I would have changed is I would have liked to have been the one with a million. But that's just the way I am. Okay. But anyway, wonderful people. So I went back a year later. One year later. Here's this couple. Same way. I mean, they're the first ones at church. Their kids are still in the praise team. They're still the most friendly people. They are wonderful people. Just great. And the pastor said to me, there's been a little bit of difference since you was here last year. You remember several years ago when that Enron thing happened and the Enron people had juggled the books and these men that had had their retirement with Enron lost it all. So here's this guy that one year earlier had a million dollars in his savings or in his retirement account. I meet him one year later, none. He still has his job, but he'll never live long enough to accumulate money again. He's 55 years old. No change. No change in their demeanor. No change in the way they worship the Lord. No change about their ex excitement about Christ. No, none. And the pastor said to me, he said, now, Brother Bolden, you're going to notice one thing different about our church since you was here last year. You're going to see about 10 new families. He said, our church has 10 new families in it. And he said, I wish it was because of my preaching, but it's not. He said, the reason that those families are here is these guys are employees at the same refinery. They lost their retirements too, but they didn't have near as much as this guy. But they were mad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if they could have got a hold of those Enron executives, there would have, there would have been trouble. Uh, those, those, those West Texans aren't, aren't as couth as you people here in Oklahoma. Uh, those, those guys was hunting. I mean, they was ready to go looking and, and find it. But anyway, they got so angry. They had lost their retirements. They started having trouble in their families. Their wives and everything was all messed up. They just having to recalculate everything. But they saw this other man that had lost more than they had. And he's the same. No difference. And so they came to him and said, what is it about you? You lost more than we have. There's no change in you. You're not angry. You're not mad. You come to work. You do your job. And he said to them years ago when I got this job, I made a vow that I would do this job as unto the Lord. Uh, you know, he's one of those fanatics, you know. Anyway. And he said, I've tried to do it like that all these years. And he said, I will not change on that commitment. And he said, my wife and I have dedicated everything we've had to the Lord. 
and we're going to keep the same thing. Nothing has changed. We've got our house. We have our children. We're not, you know, we've got money coming in. We just don't have that big retirement. And he said, and we're going to keep on doing just like us, like we've always done. And these guys, one by one, said, could we come to church with you? Could we come to church with you? And those guys and their families have come, committed themselves to the Lord. This is what Paul had in mind right here. I want to know him in such a way to where those people that are dead in trespasses and in sins, they're going to know there's a difference between me and them. That's why I need to know the Lord. That's why I need to have more than just, I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to know him to where I can affect somebody's life on this planet. Amen? Amen? Believe that. Now, here's some other things you've got to understand. Paul goes on into starting at verse 12, and he's saying, hey, I'm not writing to you like I've already attained. I, I ain't got everything I want. I mean, I'm, I'm wanting him in a way I've never known him. And he said, it's something I've got to do. I've got to forget those things that are behind now, forget what? You, you mean you're going to just have an entire brain wipe out to where you don't? No, 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 no. He's saying this. I'm not going to hold on to anything from the past. If it's bad, I'm going to let it go. If it's been good, I'm going to let it go. I've had, if I've had some successes, well, hey, there are other things that God can use me for. There might be something I've never done before that still is out there. Amen. And if I've, if I've handled some things not well, I don't, I'm not going to let that beat me to the ground. I'm forgetting those things that are behind. And I'm going to press. I'm going to change. I'm going to change my way of thinking. You know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm just going to change my way of thinking. I'm, I'm gonna, not going to let things control me. If you'll allow me, I'd like to read something to you. And uh, if, if for no other reason you would buy what I'm preaching about today or pick them up or whatever, get a copy of what I'm going to read to you and go home and find it and play it again and again. It's something I found years ago by a guy named Charles Swindoll. And it is probably the best thing that I've ever read along these lines. I'm telling you, if you're going to get to know him and if you're going to really pursue the Lord, you're going to have to change your attitude. You're just going to have to change your attitude. And this is what this is all about, attitude. Here's what he says. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people may think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, and skill. It will make or break a company a church or a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day 
regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are to change our attitudes. Is that not good? I wish I was smart. I'd like to wrote something like that. But I am telling you, that's what he's saying. Paul is saying, now the first thing I've got to do, I've got to forget. I've got to take control of my attitude and what I'm thinking about. Now, and then he goes on and says this. Uh, there's going to have to be some effort involved. He used the word pressing. I got to press. There's a straining involved. Now, again, I want to remind us we're not talking about working for our salvation. That's by faith. My, my righteousness is by faith in Christ alone. He's talking about I want to know him. And the only thing that's going to keep me from knowing him better is bolty. It's my flesh. Anybody wants, oh no, the old devil just The devil ain't got a thing to do with it. Did you ever notice that we can watch a three-hour football game and be excited from beginning to end? And if we get through one chapter, we're tired of the Bible. Or, I just don't know what's wrong. The old devil just won't let me. <laughs> See, our, our, our problem is that we, we want to come up, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to know the Lord. Well, you've got a great pastor. I mean, I mean, he is top drawer. He is it. That's it. That's all. But I am telling you, he ain't got a prayer that's going to help you know the Lord. If you're going to know the Lord better, you're going to have to take some time with him, put forth some effort on your own, put forth some effort on your own. That's right. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen. Well, I'm claiming it. Claim it till the cows come home, honey. That ain't happening. You know what it reminds me of? People saying they want to know the Lord. They, I got this desire. It reminds me of something that happened to me a long time ago. When I turned 40 years old, and that's been a while because I'm 75. <laughs> but when I turned 40 years old, I, uh, I looked myself in the mirror and didn't like what I saw. I'd put on a lot of weight. Uh, I told them in the first service, I was raised up here in Kansas. And I want to tell you, I'm not saying we mid-Westerners, I don't say we're the smartest people in the world, but we do know that there's supposed to be potatoes and bread and meat out on the table. I mean, we don't know a whole lot, but we know that. That, that much we know. And I, up in Kansas where I was raised, I'm telling you, if you was breathing, breakfast, you had fried potatoes. Lunchtime, you had some kind of potatoes. Supper, you had some kind of potatoes. And you had biscuits, bread, yeast, you had something. Uh, meat, I don't care if it was nothing but fly, fried bologna. You had meat on that table. Oh, 
Love those days. Those, those, <laughs> great way to be raped. And you know what? I ate that way until I was in my 30s. And then things had just started sticking that, that had never stuck before. And I started putting on weight. So here I am, 40 years old. And I say to Sandra, I said, Sandra, listen, I'm telling you what, I'm tired of looking like this. So for Christmas, I want a set of weights. And I want a workout bench. And I'm going to get in shape. Well, Sandra didn't forget. Christmas morning came. Our girls were still home at that time. They, neither one of them had married yet. They were still home. So after we opened up our gifts, we were like most people, you have your breakfast after that. That's how we always did it. And so everybody opened their gifts, and sure enough, there was my workout bench. There were my weights. Sandra felt like I needed a new pair of tennis shoes. She bought those. She bought me these uh, sweat bands for my wrists. They, and they were color coordinated because she brought me one of these real bright colored, I think I had three different colors to the workout outfit. It was bright. And I had sweat bands from her wrist and she bought me one of these bands to go around my head to catch the sweat. And I tell you, just putting the outfit on, I looked better. I looked healthier just putting it on. And uh, so her and the girls, they went in to start fixing our breakfast. And I said, listen, while y'all are fixing breakfast, I'm going to work out a while. And so I got my outfit on and I went in there and I, I limbered up. I knew you're supposed to do that. I limbered up a little bit and I grabbed those weights and I started lifting those weights. Oh man. And you know, when you start working out a little bit, your heart rate goes up and you do get a, a, a real surge of energy. I mean, it's good. It's a high. Boy, you're feeling good. And a little, I worked out, sweat pouring. And so after a little while, Sandra yelled and she said, well, you better get cleaned up. Breakfast is almost ready. So I ran back there and took a shower, put on fresh clothes, came to the breakfast table. There's pork chops. <laughs> homemade biscuits. Cheese grits. Gravy. You got to have gravy and cheese grits both. Oh yeah, sure you do. We just had everything. All a bunch of assorted jellies and jams. Oh, it was wonderful. And I just ate like a field hand. I just, I just ate. Just, oh, it was wonderful stuff. We was going to have friends come in for supper that night. And so I, uh, I told Sandra, I said, I'm just going to grab a sandwich or something for lunch. No big deal. And so after lunch, after I had my sandwich, I said, you know what? Before Bob and Gloria get here, I'm going I'm to go ahead and uh, work out a little bit. So I put my outfit back on. <laughs> Worked out some more. Wow, it happened again. I got that jolt. Felt so good. Wow. Took another shower. Put on fresh clothes. After a while, our friends came. And you know how we are at Christmas time. You don't have just a turkey. You got turkey and ham. Now, I know how you guys do. I've eaten with you. Whew. Thank God for tonight. Uh, anyway, that's, that's a whole different story. But it's it, it, it just wonderful. You know, you got turkey and we had ham and you got dressing, you got mashed potatoes, you got big old yeast rolls, you got all this stuff, you got all this stuff with pecans on it. No, it's just wonderful. And you just eat like crazy. And after everything was cleaned up and our, our friends were gone, I said to Sandra, I'm going to work out one more time before I go to bed. 
So I put my outfit on, worked out some more, and here it happened again. Man, I felt that rush. It felt so good. It really did. And I just went, took a shower, put my pajamas on, and I laid in bed. I can remember thinking, you know what, probably tomorrow morning, I'm, there, there's probably going to be a strong resemblance between me and Mel Gibson. Uh, uh, somewhere, I'm going to look a lot better by morning. Well, you know what happened. The next morning I woke up, Sandra had gone in to make coffee, and I started to get out of bed, and I literally, so help me, I literally could not move. I just started moving. I, I just couldn't. And, and I let out with a yell, and she came running, and she said, what's wrong? And I said, the devil's attacked me in the middle of the night. He's paralyzed me. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't move. And she had no mercy on me. And she said, Richard, it's been 25 years since you've worked out. And so she helped me get, literally helped me get out of bed. And I headed to the shower, walking like this. Got in that shower, turned the water on as hot as I could stand it. And just begged God to let me die. I mean, I hurt. I mean, I hurt. And just as soon as she had a yard sale, I sold those weights and uh, got rid of all that stuff. And so here I am at 75, and somewhere between that time and this, I have gained and lost 2,000 pounds. The desire's still there. Still there. But I just don't like the hurting. Don't like the inconvenience. Getting dressed and going to church when my recliner is so comfortable. Going to Bible study. Watching, instead of watching a movie, God, teach me your word. God, teach me your word. Learning how to pray. I'm astounded about how many people flat, just flat don't know how to pray. They know how to say, I, have, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. But they've never been schooled in prayer. I have something to tell you. Paul said, I want to know him. That's the cry of my heart. That's the cry of my heart. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a great grandpa. I have two great grandchildren now, one boy and one girl. I want to put stuff back into them that the Lord has taught me over the years. God has opened up doors for me this last year that I'd never dreamed would ever happen. You know, I held a weekend revival at a First Methodist church. Oh, dear God. Yeah. And they're having me back again this year. It's amazing. Somebody sent him a copy of my testimony and this pastor listened to it and he said, I'm, I think you're supposed to come. It's amazing. And the Lord gave me such great favor there. And I didn't know how to act except just how I always act and, and, and had them up around what they have their communion rail. And they would come up and they'd weep and they'd cry share their hearts and I'd pray with them. They'd make commitments that they'd never made before in their life. 
I don't know what I, what's out there. But I know one thing. I want to know him so I can be in a place. Can I tell you something else that's happened this year real quick? You know where I gave my testimony? Most of you people here have heard my testimony. And if you hadn't, bless your heart. Uh, you know, you, you guys have sat through it and it's not good. But do you know where I gave my testimony at this year? St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Franklin, Tennessee. They have a group of women there called the Daughters of the Kingdom. And some of the women live in my, my daughter Michelle's neighborhood. And they, Michelle has shared things with them about us growing up and what the Lord has brought me through. And so the woman that's the president of it said to Michelle, do you think that your dad would come and, and give his whole testimony? And so... I went to the pastor of the church because uh, unless you're an ordained Episcopal priest, you can't speak in their pulpit. And, and so they, they were going to set it up in the fellowship hall. But I didn't want to give that many problems because the only way I know how to give the testimony is just to give it the way I always do. And I, I said to him, called him by name, and I said, listen, you're, you're the authority of this house and I won't, I'm not going to cause you any problems. And if I give that testimony, there's going to be things I have to tell. There's going to be things about speaking in tongues. There's going to be things about prophetic words. There's going to be things that some of your people's never heard about. And man, I don't want to cause you any confusion. I'd rather just call the whole thing. I don't want to cause anybody any problems. And he said to me, I trust you and I trust the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want you to give it here like you give it everywhere else. Don't change a word. So I had it on a Saturday. I did part one, then we had a 20-minute break, and then I did part two. Now, St. Paul's is 200 years old, that church. You've got judges. You've got district attorneys. You've got the most influential people in Franklin, Tennessee, there. And I don't know how many of those people was there, but I do know when I finished and I tried to share with them what the Lord had done in my life concerning mercy and grace. I can't tell you how many people came up, wanted to be prayed with, and some of them still stay in contact with me because they have children that are in, in bad shape, and they're wanting me to talk to their children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. I want to know Him so somewhere out there somebody might know there's a difference Amen. between me and what the world has to offer. That's what I'm challenging all of us with today. Shall we? Let's stand together. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.